Welcome to the Get Rich with Rich podcast. In this episode, we have world-renowned traveler Tim Dearman to help us discuss how to travel on a budget, the best time to travel, resources for booking trips, where you can save the most money when traveling, and what are no-spend days? Stay tuned to find out. What's up, everyone? You're listening to Get Rich with Rich with your host, Rich and Tony, where we discuss, chat, and ramble about this week's finance topic. Our content ranges from personal finance, investing, getting out of debt, budgeting, business, and anything our viewers want to talk about. My name is Rich. And my name is Tony. And this week's topic is how to travel on a budget. And we are blessed to be here today with the Tim Dearman. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Tim Dearman. You might know me as the Dirty Traveler on YouTube. I have a passion for traveling, which started when I was about 19 in college. And ever since then, I've been using just about everything I've saved to travel to over 36 countries all over the world. And I've done it from working at a job making $10 an hour all the way up to a full-time career after college. So just came here to give you guys some tips how you can do it too, no matter your circumstances, whether you, you have kids, you have a full-time job, or you just work inside jobs through college, you can do it too, and I would love for you to all join me. And we're going to go ahead and link your YouTube channel in our notes as well. So anyone out there can go and click that and see a lot of the different action shots and just going to hit different countries up and, and whatnot. So i um, grateful for having you on. So thank you once again. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, about, you know, traveling on a budget, going the extreme route. Also, what are some, you know, tips that, you know, people can do um, on their own using like some Google flights and different uh, apps like that. And we're also going to dive in a little bit about like COVID and what this sort of did to like your travel plans. And also we know that this is going to impact a lot of people's travel plans too. So what things we could sort of do now, or are we postponing it and waiting it? Are we find the deals and whatnot? So we'll jump right into the topic discussion. How to travel on a budget. So I guess, you know, we'll start off with how do you plan your trips? I mean, you said you've been to 36 different countries. Um, I mean, do you just throw a dart at a, uh, the, the, the globe or something? <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty crazy uh, how to plan a trip. And I'm really glad we're actually going doing this whole podcast because there's just so many things that I wish I knew back when I was starting at a young age where I listened to a podcast like you guys are doing right now. And it would just excelled me so much further and saved me tons of money starting out. So um, just getting right into that first question you have for me, how do I plan my trips and how do I choose where to go? Um, usually my first trip ever was kind of a spur of the moment thing. So I, my first trip was Hawaii, the Hawaiian Islands, for a month long over Christmas break. And this was sophomore year of, of college. And I kind of always imagined this these luxury islands as a place where you needed money to go to and then I would never have the opportunity to go and so I was honestly just scrolling through YouTube and I saw someone post a video say stay and live in Hawaii for free and so I thought it was a hoax and of course with that clickbait you had to click on it and watch it 
And of course. This, yeah, you have to watch it. And this guy really explained how he stayed in Hawaii for three months for absolutely no money. And um, it was through a program called Woofing, which I'll tell everybody about later on, where you can stay with locals for free. And um, so planning my first trip of Hawaii, I chose because it was my dream growing up. I feel like we all have that dream mm -hmm. of just a place that is just out of this world. It, it feels like you're on another planet. Um, but besides that, nowadays, how I find trips and where I want to go, a lot of times I'll go on Google and I'll literally type this exactly word for word. I'll, I'll just say cheapest countries in the world to backpack. And right there is, that is the key phrases. And it'll give you a list from chronological order, you know, top to bottom, the top place to go to. And then the next thing will give you like, you can find endless blogs of average cost per day and where to go. And for me, I'm more about adventure. And um, a lot of times spending less money gives me a more memorable experience. And so I don't want money to be an issue when I go. So I choose based off that list, which usually ends up being some of the most beautiful places in the world, like Thailand, um, Nicaragua, Costa Rica. These are all places that are a fraction of the cost of living in America. So nowadays, that's how I plan my trips. And it's coming to the time now where I'm trying just to knock off every country off my list. And so that's how I choose nowadays. It's like, where haven't I gone yet? And what's the mm -hmm. best place? Too. And when and when you do that, um, if you know if Nicaragua, would you look for what free things there are to do there? Like you said, you're adventurous. So are you are you looking at like hiking spots? You know, you, you did say uh, backpacking, um, or do you try to find the attractions there as well that would cost money? So are you more like the free? What can I do for free there, or just what is there everything to do for the, with this country? Um. So when I'm for. I'm trying to think back when I first started planning trips because I feel as if these viewers, a lot of them haven't gone yet. And so I'll try to talk in the perspective of me planning my first trip. Uh, so basically what it came down to was which place has the cheapest flights to get to. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening to this podcast in America, you are instantly narrowed down to Central and South America, which are absolutely gorgeous. But to get to Thailand, to get to Australia or to get to the Philippines, it's going to be about two to three times the price for a plane mm. ticket, which I, I found a round, round trip ticket to Costa Rica for around $189. Wow. Which That's is, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me to go to Australia, it was about 1200 round trip. And so um, all everyone listening right now, instantly you're narrowed down to Central and South America. And then you want to go and look for what's safe for me being um kind of who i am it's easier being a male of course um I, i'm never really scared to go anywhere you just the only thing you want to look out for is if there's any government warnings for mm. you know um if there's any protests going on within or civil unrest but honestly america has probably been the most dangerous country i've been to most, most people are really just happy that you're there visiting their homeland and yeah. so um back to your question rich on seeing what I could do there. Almost, what I found out is that these cheap places to go to are exponentially just cheaper to do everything. So mm. you could go paragliding in one of the most beautiful canyons in Colombia for $30. Mm. 
Wow. You can't even do a zip line in Vegas for that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember like the um, Peru, it was three nights, all food included, accommodation included, transportation included, whitewater rafting, zip lining, biking down the Andes Mountains, and your ticket to Machu Picchu was $180. Wow. And so that's just, yeah, uh, to me, is crazy. So I never really look at how much things cost when going to a country. Mm-hmm. If something costs too much while I'm there, I just opt out not to do it. Mm-hmm. Sure. A lot of times for me, I love the free things. So hiking a volcano, going to the beaches, snorkeling, you know, even going boating are just mm-hmm. either free or you can, since it's third world countries, the locals there will take you there for $10 and just show you an all-inclusive experience so yeah. i never plan my trips on how expensive the activities cost because they're almost always uh medicinal or you know a fraction of what you would cost here in america mm-hmm. so uh, that's my so, so tim it sounds like you're pretty thrifty when you go to these places um you're a little bit frugal you, you try not to spend too much money so you can make the most of your trips um, which sounds nothing like me because when I go on vacation, <laughs> when I travel, I, I love all inclusive. I like to sit on a beach and just drink the cocktails and just relax and, and things like that. But you're an adventurer, which is really cool. When you do travel, is there like any particular thing you want to like determine ahead of time? Like your tri- like how long are your trips going to be? Do you, do you predetermine that before you leave or you kind of just wing it as you go? Uh, how do you like if you do for what you do plan, like what what are you looking for? Um, so everyone who's probably taking a trip coming up is going to be confined what I would suggest by what time you have off. And so if you are a college student, you're going to be confined by how long your winter break is. What I think is the, um, optical or optimal point of frame is to go for three weeks to one month for a backpacking trip as I go on. And um, so that's how I would always do it. I'd always leave for winter break. I would stay as long as I possibly could after college went out. And then as soon as class was back in session, I would be back. Nowadays, I just buy a one-way ticket. <laughs> oh, okay. Experienced yeah. traveler. <laughs> I, I literally have no plans to come back until the time comes. I'm usually gone for about four to six months, but I've planned for a year this, this past time, but what's going on in the world kind of cut it short, but we'll go into that. Wow. One. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, well, how often do you take these trips then? Like a year? So would you then not take another trip on, for another year? Or if you're doing like six months, a month, like how many times do you typically go throughout a year? For me, because of what I chose to do during my co- college career, mm-hmm. I was always doing internships in the summer. So that pretty much canceled any interest of traveling for me. Now, um, talking and meeting people who do this all the time, a lot of people do use their three months during the summer to do extreme things. They'll go to a country and work for part of it. And so they'll, they won't come back to college in the fall totally broke. They'll actually have quite a bit of savings. Some won't work at all. They'll just go for three months. Like the guy I ran to on YouTube, he would just go to Hawaii for three months during his summertime. For me, since I was doing co-ops for engineering always, I was more the... Um, confined to just doing the winter breaks. And how do you save that money then? Like, I mean, that came from your co-ops then. And so my guess is you'd be earning money there and that's what you would use to go on your trips. What does it look like now for, for you? Uh, honestly, 
everything I earned during the summer, I put towards my tuition for school. So uh, if someone's listening to this, don't think that you have to have an internship in the summer or get to have a bunch of summer savings and it's too late when school starts to go. Um, for me, I worked about 30 to 35 hours a week during my college time. But uh, and during that, I would also pay for my rent as well. So I just am trying to show everyone that mm -hmm. just you have these expenses doesn't keep you out of the ball. Um, so for me, I honestly am not a huge bar or club guy, so I would never go out. Uh, when I did, me and my roommates, we would just chug in the parking lot, you know, get some gas station beers, chug in the parking lot, and then go in and buy one beer. So you can cut down a lot of your expenses and save up really easily. It's not hard to save up $1,000 um, if you're not spending it at home. And so mm -hmm. uh, that's where I would save my money. I would use my, I'd make about 11 to $12 an hour parking cars and all my savings would just go towards my trips. And then when you were uh, on your vacation then, like when you were out on your trip and whatnot, did you have a certain like spend limit? Like this is what I'm going to, you know, the money I'm using for this trip, I could run this down to zero. Or how did your budgets look like when you started traveling and you were actually there at the destination? So um, I really, the first two trips I took did not spend much money at all uh, during them. So Hawaii, I went with my neighbor and we worked on a farm through the program called Woofing, which is Worldwide Organic Farming. Uh, I highly suggest everyone to look into it because it's such a, an amazing experience to live on a farm with a family that takes you in um, that are local to the area and become kind of a family instead of going and just seeing a bunch of strangers on vacation and people who are at work, you know, your servers and everything. This is much different experience, but they let you stay for free. You just have to work for four hours a day. And when I wasn't on the farm, I was camping on the beaches because I brought my tent. Nice. And uh, so I think I saved up $600 for 30 days. Wow. So what is that, $20 a day? But I was literally like eating, I was eating McChickens all the time. <laughs> like dollar McChickens on the Hawaiian Islands. Like I didn't go, we, we would pick like two days of the whole month that we would sit down and have a nice dinner. And um, like I said, snorkeling's free, all the hiking is free, I, every, all the amazing things on these beautiful islands are free. Mm -hmm. So I was able to just do it with that, but it is good to have a budget. So have a target goal. Like I knew based on the program I was doing it that I needed about 20 to $50 a day. And so I was only able to save, you know, enough. I spent 600, but I still had $200 left over when I got home. So I was still able to spend. I don't spend until I'm empty. So, so Tim, for, for most people, at least, you know, traveling to Hawaii, you don't expect to go for a month and spend $600. That's, that's pretty much like unheard of. So how did you get started? Was it called a woofing? Is that, is yeah. that what you said? How did you get started with that, and did, what did it cover? It sounds like maybe they covered some of your lodging, and then also you were working for, for four hours a day. Were you getting compensated for that, or like how, how did that the whole situation uh, come about? Yeah, so um, woofing, I'll just explain that for a bit. Sure. A platform that allows farmers across the world to connect with travelers like me. Okay. It's a work exchange, and each farm is different. Uh, so you work for anywhere from four to eight hours a day. And in return, 
you get your food paid for, you, you get to stay there as accommodation for free. And then a lot of times they'll take you on the weekends, they'll drive you around and kind of do little weekend getaways. Hmm. Um, and so that's what that platform does for you. So anyone that wanted to do that, it's very easy. It's about $30 for a year membership for this working, moving website. And it just connects you with hundreds and hundreds of farms. That sounds awesome. I'm gonna we're gonna pull that that link from we'll get that link. Yeah, from we'll throw that in the notes. We'll throw too. in the description because that sounds like a really good way for people who may not have a whole lot of money to get, be able to check out all these amazing places around the world and you know have work and and really stay for a you know a, a low cost uh, to travel. Yeah. Now, if you're going internationally, internationally, it's um. The best thing to do when planning your budget is to Google one month in Nicaragua budget. And it'll, it'll give you a whole breakdown, like living lavishly or backpacking. And it'll give you two separate bu uh, budgets. Nomadic Matt is a huge guy out there who's been to almost every country. Everybody knows him in the travel community. And so he has lots of good information. But any country you're going to, you can type in three-week itinerary for Peru, and there'll be blogs on it, giving the breakdown for the average price per day, and just multiply that by the amount of days you're there, and that'll give you your target budget to save up for. Okay. So it's, it sounds like you do do a little bit of research and that there's some pretty easy resources you can get your hands on so, so you can know how much you're going to spend ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Super easy. So we have the, the, the woofing is one. Then Google, obviously, what these places cost for, like, a breakdown of, like, a week budget. What other resources do you use when you're booking, um, like, apps or other, like, websites? So the second app that I wanted to share with everybody is one that I recently came across this past trip. And for me, it's probably the top one because there's no commitment from you whatsoever. It's called Couchsurfing. Uh, this is where locals as well um, – connect to you as a traveler and honestly it's just um, good-hearted people that want to give back to travelers it's usually people that have traveled in their past and now they want to open up their homes to people like me and you and so that not you don't have to be rich to travel you can see the world for free so on this app it's pretty much kind of like set up as a facebook and so if you wanted to go to let's say even california you just Go onto the app, you type in California, Los Angeles maybe, and it'll kind of be like a Facebook of people that are have an extra bed at their house or have a couch they can sleep on. And so for this, it's more like two to three days, which is good because if you want to see a lot of places, you want to move on quick. As opposed to the woofing, it's usually a two-week minimum stay. But the good thing about couch surfing is you don't have to put any work in. Um, it's really transparent. Uh, messaging between you and the host you could say hey i just need a place to stay my itinerary is booked so i'm gonna be gone all day i just need to come back and sleep and they'll be like cool no problem or you'd be like hey i wouldn't mind if you show me around if you want to hang out i'm a solo traveler and they're usually like yeah no problem i'll hang out with you for the day i'd love to meet you i love meeting people so couch surfing is an extremely good app i've gone through hours of just reading reviews of other people's experiences. Sometimes they'll even find penthouses on L Laguna Beach of people, and they'll just stay for absolutely no money. Wow. So that's uh, <laughs> yeah. a crazy app. That's an awesome resource. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I actually stayed for the nudist people. 
<laughs> oh, really? Wow. That's, that's, cool. that's how I connected with them. They, of course, are unique. It's usually people that are just your average everyday American, or of course, if you're going somewhere else in the world, um, what, you know, it's just like people at work and maybe even nine to five. But for me, I saw these nudists. Um, obviously, I didn't see their nudists and just like pick them, but like I saw pictures of them free diving and just snorkeling with turtles. So I messaged them and they just told me uh, their lifestyle is and I was totally open to it. And so I went and just had really the time of my life. And with that, I spent, I think, $100 for nine days in Hawaii. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. And and for anyone who doesn't know, uh, go check out Tim's YouTube channel again. Uh, not to plug you like crazy, but The Dirty Traveler, he's got a YouTube channel. We'll put a link to the description mm-hmm. in there. And I think you have a couple videos about your experience when you stayed with those nudists. And I, I've watched them and just awesome content. So um, anyone listening, if you, if you want to see a little bit more about Tim's travels, uh, make sure to check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's really amazing that they have this for travelers who just don't have loads of money to travel. And right. I think the last platform and app that I use all the time is called Hostel World. Uh, so this is kind of like an Expedia.com, except it's just for hostels. And I know we've all seen that crazy murder horror oh, yeah. hostel. <laughs> yes. Um, but it totally <laughs> is not what these are like. Uh, what a hostel is, is you have lots of kind of accommodation choices. So you can actually get um, a private room if you'd like. Um, and this is really popular for international, third world countries. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you, if you're if you a solo traveler going with one other person, they have these options that have like 12 beds in a room. And it ends up being like $8 a night for a bed. And you need lockers there where you can lock up your stuff. And the cool thing is that these hostels are usually on the beach or they have lavish pools and it's just you feel as if you're living a millionaire lifestyle but you're only paying eight dollars a day and so it's hostel world's the best and up to 48 hours before your stay it's fully refundable so you can book your whole trip and then your plans change and get all your money this makes it a really powerful website for anybody to use that's traveling and i've booked to this day almost every single of one of my stays on hostelworld.com or the hostel that it's really cool and everything's so cheap yeah that, that that sounds pretty awesome so do all these apps and resources you use are they all use like american currency and then also have you ever ran into like any trouble when you're traveling um throughout these countries where you had some issues maybe doing like, like currency exchange exchanges or anything like that yeah so um, for the currency exchange, Hostel World will just exchange it for you. So you'll just pay. It'll show you uh, the well, the prices in American dollars, and you can change it to the currency of your country or whatever you'd like to use, and it just converts automatically for you. So there's no hidden charges. You don't get hit with any um, transfer fee or any conversion uh, whatsoever, which makes it really nice. But um, the second part of that question, uh, really, it depends where you're going. If you're going mm-hmm. to a really developing country like Nicaragua, credit cards aren't going to be used very often, and it's kind of hard to avoid losing money. Uh, what I suggest, honestly, is bringing a few hundred dollars cash and then not convert converting a bit at the airport so you can pay for a taxi and to get out of there, but the conversion rates when you get into town are going to be much better than when you're going to get to the airport, and you can end up saving about $50 exchange in 
um, probably 500 pounds. But once you're there, this is something that's really good if you're listening to jot down. It's called a Charles Schwab card. Uh, that's a bank. I'm not sure if you or Rich are familiar with it, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know Charles Schwab, you could invest with them and yeah, the banks. Pretty, and pretty big banking. Yeah, everything. Yeah. 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 So it's pretty widely known. But the cool thing about them is any ATM fee, they reimburse you. So usually you go to an ATM, you put in your bank card and they spit out the money and the currency of wherever you are. And it's going to charge you about $5 every time you do this. Which, if you're gone for a month, you're probably doing this every few days since you don't want to carry hundreds of dollars, right, uh, on there, on like on you at a time in case you know something bad happens. And so, say you do it four times, I mean that's twenty dollars. And if you're a cheap guy like me, that's twenty more dollars. That's an extra day in Hawaii, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> or you know, three days in a hostel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You could yeah. extend right. your trip half a week just by avoiding ATM fees. So Charles Schwab. You can put all your money into that bank and then use it at any ATM around the world. And they actually reimburse you for those ATM fees. Um, if you are in any country that accepts credit cards more, I highly suggest is using your credit card for almost everything. And then you can get reap the benefits of the credit card, cash back or whatever credit card you use mm-hmm. to. Travel card, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. You just need to make sure that it's a card that doesn't have foreign transaction fees, which a lot of them don't, but some of them will. So before choosing your credit card, make sure to, you know, make sure it doesn't have any. Yeah, it's I mean, check check with your bank. I feel like most major banks have some sort of like world travel card or something like that, an international card that'll probably be available. So maybe try to get one of those if you're traveling to a really developed country. But it sounds like yeah, you gave some pretty good tips there. You know, one was you know when you are traveling to some of these underdeveloped countries, you 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 don't recommend doing the any currency exchange at the airport. Maybe just a few, you know, maybe like twenty bucks or thirty bucks, just so you can get like a taxi or whatever you need. But do most of the stuff once you get into town. Is that is that what you're saying? Exactly. So that that's a good tip for that. When you um, do the bulk of your traveling, do you do you pick certain days? Uh, holidays, seasons, is there a certain time that you found that was cheaper to go if, you know, if it was winter break or summer break and things like that? Uh, for me, honestly, since I was always flying, I was forced to travel during the same time period every year. I didn't really see uh, or notice any advantages to, you know, traveling in the summer other than traveling in the winter. I would say... Mm-hmm. It's probably more expensive to travel in the summer since most people have off, and that's when it's more condensed. There are it is an easy Google search to, no matter where you're going, like um, most popular or or most common days to go to, you know, Australia. So it's going to give you the months that's most populated, and those are going to be the months that are probably going to be. It might, it might be cheaper since there's a lot of planes going and it might be more expensive just because a lot of people are going in their book. Yeah. So you sort of yeah, do a search beforehand um, to try to see like when those, when it's populated pretty much. And that obviously corresponds with your schedule. Like if someone's out there traveling and they're like, well, I have off on this week and that's the only week you can go. Well, then you're, you know, you're going to have to go that week and try to figure it out. But if you do have the option, 
look and see what is more populated on these months and when is it least and where could I save the, the most money going? When you, when you do that, when you book a trip, you're there, where do you tend to see the most savings? Is that coming from your lodging, the meals, transportation, your activities? Um, I know you said predominantly, you know, your meals and lodging are pretty low because of these different resources and apps that you're using and sometimes even free if, you know, you're working on the farm and things like that and providing you that. Um, but it, so would you say that that's predominantly where you see that most savings or is it in other, some other areas? I would say what is absolutely killing everybody when they travel and depleting their savings at an extreme rate is, is the fact that they're choosing to stay at hotels and everything at the hotel is going to be there just to suck the money out of your savings. That's why weeks vacations cost thousand plus dollars when it costs hundreds of dollars. Um, it's just you're going and buying into a system that's built around taking your money for one week. Uh, and mm-hmm. so if you can honestly just get off the hotel, I, I, I've stayed literally down the street from a hotel and spent a hundred dollars and met people on the beach that are spending thousands of dollars. And so hotels is where you're going to take up all your money. Mm-hmm. You're going to go at the end of the night and everything around your hotel is going to be $8 a drink, $10 a drink. It, it is just built for you to, mm-hmm. and so that is what I think is where I save the most. Not staying at hotels. Yeah. What um, when you do activities? Have you ever heard of the app Groupon? I have. Do you ever use that, or or do you find your stuff like elsewhere? Just because I know when I travel a lot, I will go there and I'll see. And usually, I use it for actually a food a lot. Um, just because I feel like that's where I get the best bang for my buck. Like I'll be like, oh, like I could spend twenty bucks and I'll have a fifty dollar gift card or whatnot i'll do that sometimes i'll find some activities but i feel like it's not the greatest um do you ever use that or are there other ways where you you find your savings Uh, i'm familiar with groupon i i think it's a good resource i just don't think you should be really spending a whole lot of time on it Mm -hmm. for these reasons specifically if you are booking things before you get there a lot of times when you're there, you can find cheap deals just by asking around uh, and stuff. And you never know what you're going to want to do when you're, when you're there or what you'll be exposed to. So even if you stay at a hotel, you know, the front desk is going to have loads of information of all these different things you can do. You might not even want to do that activity that you booked on Groupon mm-hmm. or other companies might even have the same rate. And once you buy it with Groupon, you're stuck. You know, if you book an outside um, luau and it rains that whole that whole mm-hmm. day that's it you know you're screwed you don't get a refund and so i would just be cautious of using that um for food i like to walk down the street and see what catches my eye and so i would just hate to buy a groupon and then pass this awesome local food stand and then like, all right well, i already bought this groupon then i have to use it i also like to be in the moment so i don't want to when i'm out there be on my phone looking at groupon the whole mm-hmm. time and so for, for that aspect, I don't use it. I do think you could save money. I just want to warn everybody that's using Groupon that there are constraints that come with it and you're kind of under the will of that. Yeah. Those are, those are some pretty good tips. And it, it seems like when you do plan your trips, you do a little bit of research on, you know, where you want to go, um, research how much money you're going to expecting 
be expected to spend for the time you're staying there. But other than that, it seems like you, yeah, like you said, you kind of live in the moment. You take it day by day. You kind of let the adventures find you and, and just seek out things to do once you get there. Um, and kind of talking about that, like what advice would you give to people who want to start traveling, who maybe have never traveled before? They want to get started. They want to start seeing the world. Like, how, you know, what advice would you give to them on where they can save and like how to, how to plan the trips and stuff like that? Uh, I would say if you want to go and you find yourself continually wanting to go, you know, you're thinking about it all the time, you're watching these travel blogs, and you just, you just seem to keep putting it off. Um, the 100% for sure way for you to go on this trip is to, one, look at what period of time that you can go. You know, if you're in college, right. there's that point of time. If you're working as a server, you know, you should be able to get time off in like three months. So I would literally say tomorrow, if you want to go solo, you know, if you're not scared to do that, just buy your ticket. And then the, once you buy that ticket, your body is going to go into kind of a freak out mode to where you're just going to start, you know, saving your money. You're not going to go to the bar that Friday because you're like, all right, I only have two months now to save. It's like the day before a project is due. Yeah. And there, there's this saying, it's like the project will expand to the time allotted to finish it. So if you're given a month to do a project, you're going to probably do it the same exact quality as if you're given a day, you're just going to get done a lot quicker. So as, as harsh as it is to say, just buy your damn plane ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that, that is the only for sure way that is going to make you go. Um, if you... I would assume that the most people listening to this aren't down for solo traveling. So call your closest or best friends. My first time going, I was with my three best guy friends from college. And just get, tell them, you know, life is short. This is the only time we <laughs> none of us have kids right now. We can do something crazy. Convince them to go and then literally do the same thing I just said just with them. You know, go over to each other's house, buy that ticket. And you're going to be set. You'll be surprised on how cheap plane tickets cost. And um, as long as you have the freedom to change your date four days, mm -hmm. then that's how you're going to save the most on a plane ticket, a few hundred dollars worth. And so uh, that's my advice for anybody who hasn't gone but has been wanting to go for a while. Um, if you have $0 saved right now, put that three to $500 plane ticket on a credit card. Uh, your, your, your body is going to go into that mode. Or um, even I have lots of credit card tips where you can use the bonuses to get a free flight. Yeah, that, that, that's that's cool. I, I don't know if I would advise that specifically because we are a finance podcast. But <laughs> I, I, I like where you're going with this. You know, if you want to travel and you, you just can't seem to really pull the trigger, you got to make that decision. Once you're yeah. committed, then you'll, like you said, your body kind of goes in that freak out mode. You'll start saving like because you have to, right? Once yeah. you, you don't, you want to go to the waste. You don't want to be in a situation that you can't afford to travel or get home or whatever. Exactly. You know, so, so you got to pull the trigger. That, that, that's some good advice. I like that. Speaking of that, <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of that, what do your plans for the future look like financially? So you're working, you're going on these trips, you're spending the money. Um, you're having these great experiences, um, all over the world. Um, are you saving some like for retirement down the road? Do you have a thing where you're like, I'm saving at least X amount of money for myself or for my future. I'm not going to dip into that. Or is it sort of just more free spirit? Like I'm just going to go over the wind takes me and I'll figure it out later. Um, yeah. So this is a finance podcast. 
I I did work as a full time engineer for a year after college, and even during my internships, I did have a four hundred one k. So I have you know um, thousands of dollars already put in my four hundred one k, and luckily it's early to where it can build on itself. It's not a huge amount of money, but it's what I have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, you will never in my in my mind if you're top goal is to do all of these travels when you retire, then um, you're probably not going to be able to do that now. Uh, it's just financially, you kind of have to pick. I mean, you can grind all you want. Uh, you can still honestly save and do all of your goals. You just have to make sacrifices elsewhere. You know, don't buy new clothes all the time. Uh, you know, you're, it's just $1,000, but it's one month that you're not working and gaining money. Uh, so for me, I've always kind of had the mindset that um, I never know what I'm going to do in the future. Uh, you know, I have no mindset of that. I'm going to win the lottery, but I, I could end up finding a, a job where I'm making a lot of money or I could get passive income, you know, from different aspects. I'll I'm so, be so well-rounded that I can make it work. I am a simple man. I don't need to be making loads of money. But I also don't plan on retiring when I'm 50 mm-hmm. and then sure. climbing volcanoes and things like that. So for me, yeah, uh, I never know what's going to happen. I couldn't be offered a job now making loads of money just because I put myself in that situation. But I'm also prepared to work until, you know, 65, 68. Mm-hmm. So if, if you were to ask me, uh, hey, Tim, as a person, are you going to retire at 50, 55? I'm going to tell you no. But I'm going to be doing something I love until I'm 60, right. 70, and I'm not going to retire and kind of not know what to do with all my time at that point. Yeah, that That's awesome. I, I really like that. And there's a saying, it kind of seems like it might resonate with you, is that, um, you know, live life for today because tomorrow's over, or excuse me, because yesterday's over and tomorrow may never come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I kind of like that. Ment- I feel like you have that mentality a little bit. Uh, on our podcast specifically, we always push people, or at least we recommend, you know, start investing, start planning for the future as early as possible. Um, but if it does make you feel any better, the the guy we just interviewed for this week's podcast that's actually coming out, um, he didn't start really investing and really starting to put money away until he was thirty uh, three. Yeah, thirty three. And he he when he was thirty three or thirty one or something like that, he was forty something thousand dollars in debt, and he still was able to build the wealth that he has and. So it, it's never too late, and, and I, really, I really respect what you do in traveling. Um, and, and speaking of your travels, um, you know, obviously in today's day and age, we have COVID-19 running rampant you know, all over the world, and especially in the United States. Um, did COVID impact any of your travel plans? Did you have to make any changes, uh, anything like that? Yeah, COVID was a huge impact on me and my life, uh, especially the time it just so happened to come about my way. Mm-hmm. I was really in Australia, which I had been planning for a year now. And it has been one of my top things I've wanted to do was to go and live in Australia for a year. And in doing that, I knew since Australia was a more expensive country that I needed to get a work visa if I wanted to stay that long time. I couldn't just hostel it up for that long. It just wasn't going to work out for me. And so I spent $1,000 getting a work visa, and then I went there, and I was there for two months, and just, you know, doing everything I've always dreamed of. And then we started hearing these rumors 
you know, something might be getting a little serious within the world. Uh, people are getting sick. And it's one of those things you just blow off. It's like, uh, you know, swine flu. People are going crazy. It's so dramatic. They're just making panic. And it really wasn't until um, I, I was part of a scuba diving internship where every day we'd go diving in the Great Barrier Reef with tourists and everything. It was what I was planning to do. That would be awesome. <laughs> It was just four times a day, and then literally the day came. Like, tomorrow's our last day going. So the whole company is shutting down. Um, there was no work for anybody because all the work the locals that lost their jobs. Right. And it was either faced with the choice of just sitting there while this sum of money that I had saved just you know wasted away just day by day, and everything was closed. You couldn't do any activities. You couldn't couldn't find work. So. I was forced, not literally by Australia, but by me thinking about my future to come home. And so I ended up taking 52 hours to get home because all the airports were closed. And so it was just a scatter to get home and not try to get literally trapped across the world with no income whatsoever. Jeez. So yeah. It's probably the scariest thing I've ever faced while traveling. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds pretty crazy. You know, I, I think you made a smart decision. You know, hopefully you were able to save some of that money and you can plan another trip once things kind of die down a little bit. And um, yeah, I was going to ask you if you have anything planned now, like, are you planning stuff now? Or you're going to wait till all this passes before you start looking again. Um, so yeah, my plans right now, um, based on COVID is whether November being the earliest time and January first or second week being the latest time I'm flying back out. And so I'm hitting some of the, it's going to be confined to what countries are letting Americans in mm-hmm. since it's so viral, especially in this country. Um, the good thing is my, the places I want to go right now are Africa, the Philippines and India and Hawaii is on the way. So if I'm not allowed in any countries, I'm still going to go to Hawaii and do the couch surfing thing for two months because a little bit about me is I absolutely hate winter. I can't stand it. Right? <laughs> No matter right. what, I'm leaving. And so the absolute worst case scenario, if COVID spikes even more than it currently is, I'm going to spend the winter months on Hawaii. Now, I do think I'll be able to go from Hawaii to Africa and then travel South Africa, Egypt, and all of those countries, which is generally cheap travel. Right. Um, but the good thing is that uh, being home, I've been able to save just loads of money, uh, just working a ton here and so it has set me at a really good spot financially to go for another six months to a year traveling the world well you know maybe it maybe it all happened for a reason and i like i like the fact that you're not letting covid completely stop you and Mm -hmm. also it seems like when you move down to the warmer climates you know you you get the opportunity to spend a lot more time outside and you're not necessarily needing to be in the same room with people which is like one of the things you definitely want to avoid uh, with COVID, you know, even just like going into a supermarket and stuff like that, where like, mm-hmm. you know, h- highly populated areas in a very dense, closed space. Um, so, you know, those warmer climates, being out on the beach and stuff like that, traveling Africa, backpacking, things like that. That sounds really cool. And uh, I, I respect the fact that you're not letting like COVID stop you from, you know, uh, doing your travels and, you know, reaching those dreams and those goals. Now, one of the things that, you know, I did on my part before this is look up some tips of, for travel. So I'm going to run through sort of my list of things that I found 
Uh, and Tim, jump in anytime. Um, we'll see how this sort of matches up with a lot of the things that you said as well. Um, and then we could have a quick discussion afterwards. Um, and I wanted to just prepare, you know, the audience, you are going off that, like, you know, the, the mindset, you're solo traveler, um, and almost some extreme measures where people, you know, with, with the hostel, with working with the farming, um, on the couches and things. So when I was developing this, this is more so for maybe you have a family, whatnot, um, right. but I think it's good to have both perspectives of those, depending on what type of person you are or what kind of experience you want. And so my first thing is set your destination similar to yours. You're finding it through what's the cheapest way to go. Um, so for me, it's going to be it might already be planned. If it's a work trip that you're on and, and you're in Philadelphia for a week, okay, well then that's predetermined. If you're going um, for a wedding, you know, if there's a wedding out in Utah, okay, now you have to go out there for that week or whatnot. Um, so there are things could be planned. If not, I like to think about what are the best deals. So similar to you. So I'm looking that up. I'm going to go on Google Flights and whatnot, put a location in. And with Google Flights, you can look at the week in, in advance. Um, you can see pretty much like a month out what those tickets are going to be. Then I'll even go on some of the uh, airlines that aren't there um, on Google Flights. Like Frontier might not pop up. There's a couple of them with Spirit or JetBlue. Yeah. But some of them are maybe it's Southwest, but they're not associated with Google Flights. So I'll check those individually as well. I'll look for discounts for coupon codes or something like that, promo, throw in there as well. And then... The next step is figure out how long you want to go. So if, you know, this is not predetermined, that could definitely impact that price, especially if you're looking on the airlines. Because if right. you're flying in a, on a Tuesday or you fly out on a Thursday, depending on when you're going to be coming and leaving and what week, that could, you know, shrink your, your budget and save you some more money after that. Um, next, sort of like researching that destination. So find out what you can do there. Um, research your lodging, your transportation, your attractions, your meals, and, and things like that. Do I want to go to the grocery store when I first get there and cook my, you know, my breakfast and my lunch and get snacks to like pack like in a lunchbox or whatnot, and then maybe just have like a dinner? Or do I want to go out on all those meals? Let me look uh, to try to figure out where are the best deals for that. So you know exactly where you're going instead of going somewhere and then having to think, okay, now we have to find something Let's pull up whatever is, you know, local to us, like do all that in advance. So you sort of have like a plan. And then when you travel there, um, you know, I talked just briefly about like the, the flights, but now it's like, do I have to buy a flight? Can I drive there? Can I take a train? Can I take a Greyhound? Yeah. Um, like what are my options? Because if the more options you have, the easier it's going to be for you to pick something that's more in your price range. If it's going to be a flight, well, you're forced to do that. But if there's other alternatives, um, you know, driving obviously would be the cheapest, but now you're looking more states and probably not countries and things like that. Um, if by plane, some of the things I pulled is to book on a Sunday. So there's a recent study that actually found that um, the cheapest day to book is typically going to be on a Sunday. And the most expensive day to book is going to be a Thursday or a Friday. That does not mean to depart. That just means to book your, your ticket overall. Uh, book three weeks in advance for the cheapest ticket. Part of the same study. It says, you know, looking around that three weeks out. Um, and then be flex, flexible with the departure dates, as we sort of talked about. So Thursday and Friday, they're the cheapest to actually depart um, when you're looking at flights. I mm -hmm. talked about using Google Flights, so it lets you know if prices are higher, lower, and, uh, or are they average? So that's really cool as well. And it will give you updates. You could have like a notification sitting, sitting uh, settings and it will like ding, hey, this flight just dropped down. Uh, it's a below average. Now might be a good time to, to book. Um, 
it lets you also like explore other fares uh, for alternative dates as well. We talked about that, allowing you to track uh, the prices and set those uh, the, your parameters. The next uh, tip I have is sort of book a refundable room. So if you are getting a hotel or a motel, um, Airbnb, whatnot, get something that's refundable because if you find a better deal as time goes, and I would periodically be checking those, you could always then just cancel that and then that would save you that money. Um, Hotwire and Priceline will get you a great deal, but you don't know the hotel before you book it. So sometimes you'll see, oh, this room is $50 cheaper than everything else, but it doesn't tell me where the hotel is. So it's one of those things like it's a gamble. Do you want to take that risk? Um, and, and do it. And if you don't really care and you just need that place to stay, well, then that could save you a little bit of money there. Uh, look a week out, but the best deals are a couple days before your trip. So usually that's when the hotels are saying, we need to push these rooms because they're not selling. Um, Hotel Tonight is a, a, a good app that I've used in the past where they only show hotels uh, within the pat within that week. So if you're like two weeks out, it, they won't even be on that app. Um, just because that's when those rooms go to hotel tonight. They're like, Hey, we need these sold. They start lowering the prices and whatnot. And then you have a good, good, good place to, uh, book and, and inexpensive. And then, um, that way you could also, yeah, you run refundable one. So get it refundable. That way you can cancel if you need to. Next tip I have is like transportation. So think about, you know, how many people are going to be on the trip? How much luggage am I going to need to take? Am I going to have to drive a bigger truck or am I going to have to uh, get some extra bags to, if I'm flying to start checking my bags, getting an overhead. Uh, I usually pack everything in a book bag. So it's just my carry on and it's free. But, uh, I also know not everyone could do that once you're there. Do I have to rent a car? Uh, can I Uber, public transportation, hotel shuttles to different places and whatnot? And if I need a car, can, um, can I book reservations? Like, or can I like see if the price is dropping? Like, do I have to book right away? Um, trying to find those like refundable options as well. And the last thing I have is just sort of credit card perks. Like if you do have a travel card, I, I don't, um, but there are travel credit cards on there and we have a link that uh, will link to the top airline cards to have for 2020 um, or just travel cards in general. If you use that and you put your, your hotel and your, your flights on there, you can get perks and it shows you which ones are the best options to go for if you're using that. So that might be another tool like for others to, to use as well. So those are our tips. Do any of those resonate with you or that you've, you've used? Yeah, those are actually really great tips. I mean, if I'm listening to this podcast right now, I would just cut that out. Um, I, I feel like it can be uh, put with most of us. You know, most of us can relate to that. There's a few things I wanted to add to it is that if you're using a third party to find the cheapest flights, I, I highly suggest doing it because they compare the fares from multiple airlines. I use Kayak. You mentioned Google mm. Flight. I've never used but what I would say is use that to find the flight, but don't book it through that third party because if you need to cancel or change, they're going to charge you $50 to $150 to do that. Um, so just find out what airline is doing it, like Southwest or Frontier, but then actually go to those websites and book through the airline. That's I've been screwed over doing that, and so now that's how I go about that. That's a good point. Um, for... Try to take as the little bags as you can. I almost never pay for a carry-on. I just I have a big carry-on bag, but they just don't charge me for it because you get a personal item. So most mm -hmm. airlines, you can honestly get away doing that. 
Worst case scenario is you buy the carry on there, but I've taken hundreds of flights over the last three years and not one has charged me for it. So that's a good, that's a good tip too. Yeah, anxiety is going to be going up, but I can almost guarantee you guys <laughs> nobody is going. Okay, wait. I want to make sure I heard you correctly there, Tim. So are you saying, like, in your experience for traveling, don't pay for a carry uh, – don't pay to, like, check a bag ahead of time if you check need a bag. to check-, Te- check a bag. If you've got a big bag, check a bag. Okay. Um, if you are checking a bag, do not pay for your carry-on. Okay. Um, now, if your carry-on – is carry on size, not checked luggage size. Right, right. Carry on mm-hmm. size. You could probably get away with it being your personal item. Yeah. Uh, sure, you know, sure. I would say like a school backpack, you know, is over the personal item dimensions, but they will not charge you for a carry on. If you're bringing yeah. a suitcase that's a smaller, there's pretty much two sizes of suitcase. There's the right. small one and there's yeah. the massive one. Right. Don't be bringing this massive suitcase <laughs> expecting no one. My carry-on. Honestly, yeah. you probably still wouldn't get stopped, but I, you know, have never. I don't even know if those will fit in the compartments. On well, the I bring my book bag. I, I load it up. Bag, and it's just, it's yeah. crazy. So you can save a lot of money there because both ways, it's going to cost you 30 to $45 for a carry-on. Um, yeah. For the fee. So right there is almost $100 in savings. Um, I wear layers of clothes too. Like I'll wear like three shirts on. I'll have like two pairs of pants on just because it's less stuff. I'll have a hoodie on, a jacket, (laughs) hat, like everything. Yeah. The one time my carry on was over the weight limit and the guy behind me was like, well, mine doesn't weigh that much. So just add his to mine. And they were like, no problem. Like they don't want problems at their airport. Right. Right. They want to keep the line moving stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, on top of that, another thing I want to add on to is the public transportation is huge. If you can, if you're going with four people, it's probably better to get a car. But if it's one or two of you, I mean, buses can cost four dollars a day to get. You can use as many times as you want, and then get you to the main spots. You don't have to worry about parking, which is could cost you twenty to thirty dollars if you're going to a main spot, which you most likely are if you're going to a destination. So on top of the savings for the car, the gas. And the insurance, you're going to have to pay for parking. But instead, the public transportation can almost always drop you off right where you need to go. And then Uber is also available as well, as you said. That's that's really nice as well. Um, booking refundable is is huge. And I think all those time frames you gave are is really handy. You know, book a week or two in advance instead of months in advance where they know that, um, that they're just trying to fill rooms, as you said. Uh, credit card perks is one of the top things I've saved money on. Now, this is always taken the wrong way because if if you're not financially responsible as a human being to pay off your credit cards, Mm -hmm. honestly, just being blunt with you, you might not even want to plan to travel anywhere. You're just going, spending hundreds of dollars at bars. It's just not something that you should be able to do. But if you are financially responsible, and I feel like most of us can be and pay off your credit cards, I've never had a late fee. That's just me. You know, I've always stuck true to it. You know, pay it off. You can get huge amounts of benefits from credit card. I know Capital One Venture right now is offering $500 in rewards for if you spent $3,000 in three months. And I'm a pretty simple man, and I'm still spending about $3,000 in three months. But even if I wasn't, ask your parents if they have a big expense to pay to make you reach that $3,000. And after that, you can cancel the card if you no longer want to hold it. But that's $500, which pays for more than your flight alone, or $500. And then on top of that, you get perks per dollar you spend. So the $3,000 adds to that, and you get more than $500 completely free. 
And so with credit cards, I think it can also, I mean, obviously it can get you in a huge deficit, but as long as you're responsible, um, you know, you can use them to really work your ways by creating huge benefits to yourself. So if you have zero money and you're spending a bunch and you open up a credit card, that could literally pay for almost your whole trip somewhere. So that is huge. Uh, take it with a grain of rice. Don't get screwed over by not paying it off. Just be right. responsible. Yeah, because then it'll just—it's like a wash. Like if you get one, you know, late payment or whatnot, then it's like all those rewards were nothing because now this nineteen percent, you know, penalty that you have on top of your late fees and and whatnot—it's not good. But yeah. one thing that could help us out with all of that as well are no spend days, right? Couldn't, couldn't that help you out? Tell oh. me. Yeah, yeah. So that brings us to our financial tip of the week, um, which is going to be to uh, something called committing to no spend days. So what is a no spend day? A no spend day is where you pick a day each month and commit to not spending any money for at least one day. For me personally, I like to do like a weekend, but um, you can eat at home, find free entertainment, spend quality time with your loved ones um, instead of going out and spending money. Uh, a commitment to this habit throughout a year will provide the most beneficial um, way to improve your overall financial health. You know, you, you know, I personally try to do this twice a month. I try to find two weekends a month where I'm not spending any money on a Saturday and Sunday instead of going out to eat, instead of going out to the bars, instead of doing anything I'd want to do entertainment wise, things like that. I go out for a hike. You know, I take my dog for a walk. Maybe I'll go to the beach, things like that. Um, committing to a no spend day is a good thing that you can do to save some extra money. And then maybe you can put that towards, um, your travels. Yeah. And, and if you're a, um, if, if you have a partner, a spouse, significant other, whatnot, that would be a cool time to be like, Hey, what can we do? This is going to be our no spend day. Maybe try challenge yourself to do it once a week. You know, we, we're not spending at right. all. And then it's, you know, four days a month. Uh, what do you want to do? And you just get creative with it and you think of different things that you could do puzzles or like you said, you, you know, go and hiking and to the dog park and things like that. So I think, uh, I think that that's an awesome thing to do to help you save that money for travel or whatever it else is in your plans. All right. So that brings us to the summary of our podcast today. I'm going to see if I can condense this and just, uh, to a few paragraphs here, but, um, you know, before you travel, we went, we went over with Tim. First of all, Tim, thanks so much for being on our channel. We really yes. appreciate you sharing our Absolutely. experiences. Everyone definitely make sure you check the details of the podcast for mm -hmm. any links to his channels or any of the resources that we use today. And remember if you are traveling, um, you know, select your destination destination, you know, figure out where you want to go and how long you're going to be there. Research the destination to figure out what you can do maybe ahead of time. As Tim pointed out, maybe maybe you don't want to book those things right there, but wait till you actually get there um, as you might be able to find some cheaper deals, but figure out what you want to do when you get there. Um, how are you going to get around once you do get there? You know, are you taking a plane? Are you flying? Things of that nature. Figure out what you want to do. Um, use Rich's tips on, on when to book those, those different uh, travel expenses. Um, you know, try to book a refundable room, uh, figure out how you're going to get there, your luggage, things like that. And if you are planning to take a trip, you know, consider opening a travel card, travel credit card. You know, a lot of those bonuses you can get can pay for half a trip itself once you meet the requirements. So that, that's also a good resource to keep in mind. And that wraps up episode number nine. And if you enjoyed listening, we ask that you give it a thumbs up, subscribe, follow, and Oh, yeah. Please share this episode with friends and family if you found it beneficial. Also, don't forget to leave a review and comment on what topics you want us to cover for the next upcoming weeks.
That does it. See ya. <laughs>